thanks everyone for taking the time uh, to attend this session. Uh, with me today is Sandy Coleman, the Senior Director from Siemens. Uh, today what we will walk you through is our journey of how we uh, tried to build a platform to deliver desktop applications from AWS back in 2013, starting back in 2013, and a little bit of our journey of how we did not get it right, uh, and then uh, the new platform, the AppStream 2.0 that we are announcing today, uh, and uh, to share this journey with us, uh, Siemens PLM team has been immensely helpful in providing all the valuable feedback, and they've been great development partners for us, so they'll share their story and their strategy of how they see uh, delivering uh, 3D graphics applications from AWS. All right. So back in 2013, as I said, we launched AppStream as an SDK-based platform. Uh, the, the goal there was, can we build an SDK-based plat SDK platform that, uh, that graphics ISVs uh, and game developers can use it as part of their application and actually build a, a cohesive streaming service? Uh, turns out, the feedback that we got was it was very hard to build. It required a lot of engineering effort. Uh, it required a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, and then... To make things worse, we just had one instance type, a G2.2XL. Uh, it was priced at 84 cents an hour, and it was too expensive for even the, the, the companies that cared about high-fidelity graphics applications. Uh, overall, it was not a cost-effective solution. Uh, and one thing at Amazon, what we do is we move really fast, uh, so we are okay in taking lots of risks, and we are okay in making mistakes. Uh, but what we saw was there was still a lot of interest from customers wanting to have a fully managed service, and that's the consistent feedback that we got. Uh, and uh, so we decided to go back to the drawing board uh, and actually take all the feedback that the customers gave, and we went and uh, built a new platform. Uh, that's what is AppStream 2.0. Uh, it's live today. Uh, it's a fully managed application streaming service that will deliver applications to any device anywhere uh, on a web browser. In a nutshell, it will allow you to run any desktop apps in a web browser, in a HTML5 uh, web browser. The other important thing for our customers was they wanted the apps and data to be co-located in a secure way. Uh, I, the, the, the platform offering that we had, either we could do the visualization on AWS, but not access the data, or you had the data and the computation, but you couldn't do the visualization. Uh, either you ended, ended up with a problem where you had to migrate the data back and forth, or you did not actually have the right visualization tool set. <laughs> so we wanted to go and solve this cohesively, whereby your data, your applications, your rendering, your computation engine is all in AWS, so you can use this in a holistic way. And then we wanted to make this available for you across multiple regions so you can use it and provide instant access to your users uh, with, a, with the cost model being you pay for what you use, uh, such that it's a very co uh, cost-effective solution. So what we will walk you through today is why we actually built AppStream 2.0, what were some of the tenants that we applied towards AppStream 2, uh, some of the use cases that we have heard, uh, and then a, a brief overview of the benefits and then after that, I'm going to turn it over to the Siemens team where they will actually share their journey uh, on how they're actually going to use AppStream 2. And then towards the end, we'll actually show a demo of some of the AppStream 2 with the Siemens products. 
so what we heard back from customers is they wanted to provide incident access to their users uh, from anywhere. And they also learned that uh, the cloud offered a lot of really good benefits for server workload, and they actually wanted to apply the same uh, benefits to the end-user computing workload. Uh, and then they wanted to be, as, as the devices are getting proliferated, they wanted to be able to deliver their applications in a ubiquitous way. So they wanted a simple way to deliver applications uh, to their end users. When we went back to the drawing board, we went to the three broad verticals uh, and three segments and asked, what are, what are the, some of the common challenges when you look at an enterprise or an ISV or a HPC workload? It all came down to the same set of tenants uh, that we'll walk through. The first one is everybody wanted instant on access. Everybody wanted to deliver their applications just like web apps, uh, even though these are desktop applications. Uh, I think the, 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 the online video delivery system has, has been immensely powerful and effective, and I think uh, all the customers of ours wanted to provide an equivalent experience for interactive applications, which are much harder. The second one was we also wanted to make sure that all the engineering applications that the customers have built, uh, whether it's a line of business application, whether it's a custom graphics application, or it's a computational intensive application, nobody wants to rewrite it. It's, it's written in a specific way for a specific reason, and they just wanted to just use those applications in a way. So this is one of the things that we went and solved it is, is make sure that your applications does not have to be rewritten. The third important thing was the customers expected the applications to not be modified, but also work in the ecosystem that they've already pre-established. If these applications are configured to talk to a specific database servers, or configured to activate a specific type of licenses, or to access specific network resources, they should have the capabilities for that. And then some of the customers, some of our customers went ahead and tried to build this by themselves. Some of them have been successful, and some of them have been uh, not so successful, but through the course of their journey, there was a one common theme. Doing this ourselves is super hard. Uh, it's very hard to scale. It's very hard to deploy. It's very hard to manage the infrastructure. It's, more, it's very hard to handle the burst uh, use case, where if you tomorrow you want to uh, 100 students to uh, come in and start an online training course and provi provide a set of instances for a couple of hours and tear it down, it's, it's going to be very hard. So they wanted a, a, a Amazon to kind of solve this problem, whereby Amazon wanted, they wanted a managed service that Amazon built it that they could use as a platform. And then through the course of all the use cases, we heard one thing consistent is they wanted a consistent, scalable performance, irrespective of the device or irrespective of the platform the end user chose. Uh, so they were, if you chose a HTML5 browser such as Chrome on a Chromebook or you chose Firefox on a PC, uh, they wanted the same consistent experience so, so that the end users don't have to think about which device I should choose. Uh, the goal there is focus on the application, focus on the data, and provide a consistent user experience. So in a nutshell, the AppStream 2.0 experience, where we wanted to summarize was, uh, I kind of wanted to walk through the building blocks of what the AppStream 2.0. There's always an end user who wants to access apps and use apps. And the goal of the administrator or provider is to provide apps in a secure way such that the end user gets a consistent performance. 
And the vehicle for this is the streaming technology. And the way we wanted to uh, walk you through the next set of slides is work backwards from the end user as how we actually approach this. Uh, so one of the things we did is we went back and provided a simple user interface uh, whereby we didn't want the end users to change the way they interact with the apps. If you think about it, uh, when you open up your laptop or a desktop, you interact with multiple applications simultaneously. You share data across applications. You copy-paste things around uh, applications. You upload content. You download content. You print artifacts. And we wanted to make sure that you had all the capabilities but do this in a browser. So here's a, a glimpse of an application that's in full focus. Uh, but at the same time, what we wanted to do was change the experience to be a little bit more immersive, somewhat like a tablet experience, so that the, if somebody wants to focus on an individual application in a full screen, given that it's running in a browser, we now have the flexibility to do that. And we also wanted to make sure that while the applications are being used in a browser, we wanted to give our end users the choice of being able to interact with, with the applications. So we implemented what's an app switcher experience here, where it shows you the list of all the running apps, and you can actually navigate between them and choose and bring an application back to the foreground. And when you minimize, it goes back into the Tyler. So this kind of gives you a holistic view. This is super powerful in the simulation environment if you're running multiple simulations, and this Tyler window will show you the live tiles of the simulation that's running. Or if you're running a Google Earth, for example, and you're moving the Google Earth, that uh, uh, is a live tile that you will actually see this. Uh, through the course of the demo, we'll actually touch upon the more features, but that's how we kind of wanted to take the customer's feedback and apply it, and this is uh, a live a screenshot of the, the current end user experience that we are offering. The second thing we had to get right was the streaming protocol. We had a protocol called Amazon STX, which was providing a good user experience, but it had real hard time penetrating through the corporate networks. Uh, we had to open custom ports. Uh, we had to make proxy settings changes in the network for that protocol to work. A few of the customers tried, but the majority of the enterprise customers did not want to make any of the changes. So we, but what we heard from some of the customers in the graphics space was there was a company called Nice Software in, based in Italy that was being used, their products were being used by uh, customers who are predominantly running 3D workloads, advanced graphics engineering workloads, and they really loved that experience. Uh, and based on the customer feedback, we went and acquired this company, and now they are part of the Amazon family, and they have a protocol called Nice DCB. So we took the nice DCB protocol that was very well uh, adapted by some of our customers and enhanced them such that we now are able to stream the whole experience over port 443. Uh, so there is no firewall configurations to be made. It's completely secure. Uh, the whole stream is encrypted end-to-end, -end, and it's going through an SSL. The other challenge that we had with the protocol was previously the AppStream instances had public IPs, so it was discoverable from the the internet. But that opened a set of security concerns for our customers is if those instances have access to your data or your corporate resources, it just kind of negates the, uh, the use of delivering apps from AWS. So what we did, again, is we went back and implemented uh, a, gateway a gateway using the AWS uh, application load balancer where we front-end the whole fleet of streaming servers uh, using the gateway. So every traffic that originates from the web browser 
goes through this gateway onto the instance in a secure way. So your instances are never exposed to the world. Your instances are provisioned in your VPC. So it has all the access to your network resources, but then uh, it is still discoverable through the secure gateway. And if you choose to control internet access to your instances now, because these instances are provisioned in your VPC, you have complete control of how you control internet access, how you control routing policies, how you want to uh, monitor the network traffic and apply your traffic shaping rules. So now you have the complete capabilities of this because all the traffic goes through your VPC. The, the, ne the next thing that we heard from our customers was we can't use applications without having access to the data or the corporate resources. Uh, they wanted to make sure that the applications are accessible uh, within their VPC. A, a common use case was I'm going to launch an application and I want to activate the license at the launch of the application. I want to collect metrics and usage of how my application is being used and persist in my own log servers. Or I want to access a database server that's only available in my private network. Uh, previously, we didn't have these capabilities, and then we went back and we have engineered in such a way that your instances are provisioned in your VPCs so that you can control access policies. Being uh, AWS, we wanted to make sure that we wanted to build a platform that is simple, that can, uh, if the customers chose to use this platform through the AWS management console, they, they can use it. But at the same time, we wanted to give the flexibility for our developer community to build, go build different types of products, integrate this technology as a delivery vehicle into their product offerings. So we are offering a rich set of administrative APIs whereby you can go provision your uh, in instances, manage your fleet, uh, generate streaming URLs that you can actually use it. But the second thing that we are doing something different is typ typically we provide APIs for provisioning and management, uh, but this time we're also providing APIs for your end user access. Uh, that's uh, a, a, an example use case is, let's say you're an ISV, you want to deliver software to your end users all from the browser, and you want it to be a seamless experience. The way you would use an end user API here is, your end users would come to your portal, they would see the application that you're able to provide to them, and there is a button called launch. When they hit the launch button, you would actually use the end user API uh, to make a create streaming URL call, which will give you a, uh, a streaming URL that you redirect the user to that destination. So that you, can, you actually control the end-to-end -end experience of how you're delivering applications to your end users. Today, we are announcing the AppStream 2, which is available in four regions, uh, uh, two US regions, one in Dublin, and the other one is in Tokyo. Uh, so quickly, a couple more things as how you would set this up. Uh, we're going to provide you what's called an image builder. A image builder is a way for you to generate images. Uh, we wanted to make sure that there is no friction in, uh, in the applications the way you would use it. So Image Builder is a new utility that will be available through the AppStream 2 console, whereby you would launch a Windows EC2 instance all within the browser with administrative privileges so that you can install, configure, and optimize your applications, and then you prepare an image. This image will be part of your AppStream 2 registry where you will see a list of images that you have created, and then you take these images and you, you, you define a fleet. When you define a fleet, you do three things. You pick an image, you pick a set of instance types that you want to use, depending on the workload and the experience you want to control, and you choose the VPC and the subnet where you want these instances to be provisioned. Uh, and these instances 
are then attached to a scaling policy. So you can control how you want these instances to scale up, scale down. Uh, there are various scaling policies that we provide and that, will, that you can choose uh, for the right experience. And finally, once the fleet is up, you actually want this to be discoverable by your end users on a public internet. So you define a stack is a, a composition of a publicly discoverable endpoint. Think of it like a web address. And you attach access policies to it to define who can actually access that. And then say, when somebody comes to this stack, which set of fleets do they get to use those applications? So now you actually have a literally a URL, which is a resource-based URL that you can control using access policies, and that's what the end users actually see. I talked about the instance. One of the limitations of AppStream 1 was we had one instance, uh, and it was 84 cents, which was super expensive. So we went back to the drawing board, and now we're going to offer you 16 types of instances uh, broken into four categories. One is general-purpose instance type. Uh, this is an instance that you would use for productivity workload, for example, where you really don't need too much CPU cycles or too much memory. The second one is a compute-based uh, instance type where if you want to run, uh, for example, an analytics job, uh, which requires a lot of CPU cycles, you would choose that. The third category is the memory-optimized applications, uh, whereby, let's say, your application itself requires a huge memory requirement, uh, so you would choose that. Yesterday in the keynote, uh, you might have heard that we announced Elastic GPU, which gives you the ability to attach GPU units to uh, any instance type. So we're going to be supporting that. So when you choose an instance type, either standard, memory, or compute, there is an optional uh, option for you to, say, attach Elastic GPU, and you can choose the amount of GPU units that you want to attach, and that will give you the burst capability to uh, have GPU uh, units uh, for your instance. Outside of that, we're also going to be offering a graphics inst uh, instance family, whereby if you do not want, if you want dedicated GPUs or you want to use GPUs for different types of workloads, uh, then you can use the dedicated GPU uh, uh, graphics instances. Uh, the pricing for this is going to be as low as 10 cents an hour, and then the full spectrum of pricing is on the AppStream portal. And then the other thing we wanted to make sure is we did not want our customers to have any hidden costs. Uh, the, what we want, when we say here is a streaming price, we wanted to make sure it's all-inclusive so that when you, when you can model your cost, when you say, I want to have X number of users using it for Y hours, so it's a very clean way for you to do the math and figure out how much it costs. So, uh, so it's all the prices that we have listed is the inclusive prices for streaming by the hour. Uh, if you bring your RDS Cal, uh, there is no user fee. Otherwise, there will be a user fee associated with the RDS Cal to access it. So that's in a nutshell of what we, when we, start, what we started in 2013, the journey, the mistakes that we made, uh, thanks to the customers uh, for providing the feedback. And here's just a brief overview of, of some of the new features that we announced today uh, and the new platform that we announced today. So uh, with that, I'd like to turn it over to this uh, Sandy Komen, the senior director with uh, Siemens, to kind of share their journey of the challenges that they run into when they use the AppStream and how the new platform is kind of going to help as a foundation for their new delivery platform. Thank you, Supreme. So this really has been a joint journey. We started with AppStream 1.0. 
And when, when Andy and others talk about customer obsession and taking input from their customers, um, they're very serious about that. Our, our partner manager um, worked very closely with me during that period of time as we were trying to bring our applications to AppStream 1.0. And, and it really wasn't functional for Siemens applications at the time. We had very high-grade industry design-intensive, 3D graphic-intensive applications, and they really, we couldn't bring them to production on AppStream 1.0. So we've worked very closely together um, for our two companies to, to be here today on stage. So thank you, Supreet and Deepak and, and Tosh. So let me tell you a little bit about Siemens and our customers to give you a feel for who we are as a company. A lot of people think of us as an industrial company but what a lot of people do not realize about Siemens is we're actually the 12th largest software company in the world. We're actually bigger than IBM. When you, when you look at our customer base and who Siemens PLM is, we're a division of digital factory within Siemens. We're based in Plano, Texas. We have 140,000 customers, and we have 15 million license seats of software. As I mentioned, as we started down this journey, um, we, we were trying to bring those desktop applications and those licensees of software to AppStream, which we're very happy to be able to bring you today. I'm going to play a quick video to give you a feel for what our products build and the types of industries we're in and why we needed the AppStream application to be at a certain level to really run our application. So while 1.0 was, was good for gaming and certain other types of applications, it couldn't support kind of the mission-critical applications we were trying to bring to market. Our world is becoming ever more connected. Billions of intelligent devices and machines generate massive data bridging real and virtual worlds. Complex data now play a crucial role in the way we move, live, and work. The way we plan and create products and services. Turning the vast amounts of data collected every day into value is a key success factor for companies, economies, and entire societies. We have the know-how to help manufacturers digitalize their business to realize the innovations that make a difference in their industries. Our software solutions help companies optimize innovation throughout their digital enterprise. We help 80,000 customers realize innovations that improve the lives of billions of people, like producing energy more efficiently on land, in air, and underwater. We enable our customers to intelligently automate processes across the entire life cycle of their products. And by simulating real-world objects by means of digital twins, we help them optimize their manufacturing processes. With our smart innovation portfolio, life science companies develop medical solutions that are more personalized to patients. Aerospace manufacturers solve the toughest engineering challenges on Earth so they can venture beyond it. 
we seize the data opportunity to create real value. So as you can see, the types of things we build in these design products, spaceships that take the Mars rover to, to Mars, um, race cars that are going at incredibly high speeds, huge wind turbines, it's really important for those environments um, to be secure, to be performant, um, and, and we're excited to, to be able to say that, that we believe AppStream is there today. We've been working with Amazon across our digital enterprise software suite for things like big data and analytics and product performance intelligence and our lifecycle type of products like Team Center, as well as all of our simulation suite. And we're excited today to be able to demonstrate and talk about our design products. Um, and Danny's going to come up a little bit later and actually demo those. So what we're finding in our customer base is products are getting smarter and smarter. And I think you've seen that throughout the sessions here. But in addition to getting smarter, they're getting way more complex and they're having to come to market quicker. So when we look at our customer base, uh, hang on, we just lost PowerPoint. <laughs> I'll let you do that one. I can talk to the slide until it comes back up. Um, so when we look at our customer base, they're, they're changing the way ideas come to life. They're using crowdsourcing to come up with new ideas. They're changing the way They're changing the way they, they actually produce those components. So whether it's robotic manufacturing or 3D printing, they're, they're continuing to innovate how they're doing things. And I'm trying to guess what my next slide is, but. <laughs> so manufacturers are having challenges that they're having to overcome during this period of time. They're having to reduce the time to market. They're having to increase their flexibility and they're having to increase their efficiency. So how does AppStream 2.0 help us with that smart innovation? Well, if we start off with the fact that Amazon's global delivery network, and, and Supreet mentioned they've launched in four of the regions, they'll continue to roll out, obviously, to the rest of the regions. Um, that combined with the Siemens 15 million seats of software allows us to bring to our customers our products in a streaming manner, in a very performant and consistent manner, which is key. And it allows Siemens to focus on the things that they do best. So when Siemens is designing products, they're working on how to transform product design and how engineers are designing those products to bring them to market. So if you look at the, the block on the left, this part was designed with conventional thinking. So it was, it was designed out of a large piece of metal, and with that, there's a lot of product waste. There's a lot of manufacturing complexity. Well, if you, you look at new ways of, of bringing products to market called additive manufacturing, now we're optimizing how those parts are made. We're 3D printing those parts. And, and those all bring benefits to our customers. So if you, if you take these parts and you, you put that same part into a wing assembly, you now have cost reduction. You have efficiencies. So again, this is where we're focusing as a company. And NX, one of the products that is launching, um, works across that whole additive manufacturing production process. So how does cloud, 
and specifically AppStream, support this process. SimCenter 3D, which is our simulation suite, has been on the cloud for a long time. Today, we're going to be bringing out NX and NX Cam as part of this process, and they'll all be available on the cloud. So when we talk about the best ideas not being your own, and I think you guys heard this in the general sessions, it's a combination of best ideas. It's what we do best as a company, which is product design, and it's what Amazon does best as a company, which is bringing you those products in a performant, consistent manner. So today we're going to talk about and show you Siemens software in AppStream 2.0 in context of what our customers have been asking for. So at Siemens, we don't just bring out technology for technology's sake. We, we bring things out that address customer issues. So what we're hearing from our customers are the world is changing. They want to bring their own devices. They have a, a, a mobile workforce. They have contract workers. And the designs, as you saw, whether it's a spaceship or it's a, a smart watch, all of those types of designs are sitting there today um, on laptops. And you don't really want that happening with a, with a mobile workforce or with a contract worker. So in this case, we can, we can secure the data in the cloud. It remains in the cloud. It allows those companies to be very agile and in a very cost-effective manner. So with that, access from any device, and we're going to show you a device when Danny's up and demoing. Um, where you can just access the same software, whether it's from a, a large computer, from a laptop, from a, an iPhone, from a Surface Pro. I don't remember what that was called. Um, so that workforce no nobility is something that comes to us with AppStream. So being able to bring those graphic-intensive applications to any type of device and have that consistent high-definition 3D streaming is extremely important. The other thing this does for you is it kind of takes care of the heavy lifting for you. And what I mean by that is, previous to this, you, you had to have very specific hardware. You had to have a, a desktop with a graphic rendering card. You had to go through the process of downloading that software, which could take you a couple hours. You have the maintenance of that software on an ongoing basis and additional downloads. And all of that is taken away with AppStream. You can literally click on it and be ready to go in minutes on any type of device. And last but not least is security. So the, our customer intellectual property is key in this case, that all that IP stays secure in the cloud. With that, I'm going to introduce one more Siemens product. and Local Motors, advancing 3D printing for real production. 3D printing is changing the world of manufacturing. It empowers designers to reimagine the way products are designed by changing how they are made. 3D printing helps companies to innovate faster. So one of the other products we're going to talk about today, and Danny's, Danny's going to bring up, is Solid Edge, another one of our design products. And what you just saw, what you just saw was a demonstration of a car being printed. That car went from design to manufacturing in four months. It was printed in 44 hours with an approximate cost of $7,000. So again, those are the types of things that Siemens as a company works with their customers 
to create and to design around the digital process. But now those same customers can, can launch Solid Edge from anywhere in the world in a streaming type fashion. So we're, we're pleased to announce today that we're bringing out the certification of four of our desktop products, NX, Solid Edge, Amazon, and NX Cam. And then we'll continue to roll out additional desktop products. We have about 500 of them, so we've got a little bit of ways to go. Um, we'll continue to certify and then eventually bring them to market in a software as a service opportunity. So whether we're designing uh, products, whether we're simulating those products, building them, changing the way things are manufacturing. We're working together with Amazon to basically transform the way products are designed and delivered. And with that, Danny is going to show you this running live. All right. Uh, I don't think I need it. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Um, hi, I'm Danny Sicking. I'm a software development manager in the NX organization. Um, and NX is a high-end engineering platform used to, to design, simulate, manufacture uh, products, as Sandy gave you a few examples. Um, and typically, because these products are so big, so large, they have big data sets, they have a lot of visualization attached to them, uh, you know, we do need a lot of compute. We need a, and particularly, we need a lot of professional graphics associated with it as well. And most of our users, they end up running with workstations, high-end workstations with, uh, you know, specific GPUs that we certify, and those are the, the type of development machines that, that they run with, either whether it be a, uh, a laptop or a desktop. It, it still um, has to be a certified workstation for the most part. And also, as Sandy mentioned, a lot of the, the trend of trying to bring these distributed workforces and, and the mobility aspect of our users now, bringing them back and having the data centralized has been a growing trend over the last you know, um, several years. And in order to do that, we've also certified several different VDI environments, but it's not that simple, right? As probably a lot of you know, that requires purchasing, you know, figuring out exactly how to configure this whole environment, and then hoping it works well with a lot of trial and error. And so that's why we're, we're pretty excited that AppStream has it all um, in one environment for us. So what I'm showing you here is the AppStream 2.0 um, try it now home screen. And so we have a couple different applications in here. There's a few different productivity apps. You see Office here. We also have uh, NX11, which is our latest release. Uh, we also have Solid Edge, as Sandy mentioned too, um, and a few other products. So what, um, what AppStream allows you to do is to easily launch these products. So I, I previously, I'll, I'll just launch a new instance of NX here, but you can see I already launched um, a couple different instances here. This one is running NX. This one is running Solid Edge. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to restart my environment just to show you. I mean, this is all running in a web browser. I have NX installed locally, but um, I'm just going to refresh it here. What this is running from is from the, the US West region. I think it's going to be launching in, in five zones. Um, but you know, right now, we're running in, in US West and US East today. So if I uh, start here, all right, so that'll, that'll launch NX. There we go. Okay, so NX is going to be coming up. You can see I also um, can kind of multitask as well. So I can use that, that window switcher to go back and forth. And once I'm in NX here, I've got, um, first what I have is a few different um, environments. Let's see if this is, 
uh, working life here. Okay, oh, there's the other one. Kind of, do you want to switch over to, to yours? Maybe we can switch over there. This one's, this one's running a little slow here. <coughs> so it's launching today, so they're still, you know, we're, we're, we're still working it out. But um, so what, earlier today on, on, on the laptop, it was running uh, a little slow. So we're going to switch over to Suprise here and get that working. Need the HDMI. It's, it's, it kicked in, yeah. I think it just took a minute for the machine to, to warm up. Okay, here we go. So um, let me do that again. All right, so it's, it's easy. See, now you can see it's responsive now that the machine's warmed up here. Um, and, and the machine, I mean my laptop. <laughs> So uh, we ended up putting together a, uh, some trial content just specifically for AppStream here. And so this is going to be available for everyone um, publicly, and so anyone can come in, do a 30-minute trial. And the demo I'm going to do here is, is available for everyone. So you can use the same parts I'm doing. Uh, there's some videos available, too. So what I'm going to start with is to show we've got a few different demos that kind of go through a scenario with a, uh, a bike helmet. And so there, there's an intro video to show you kind of, you know, some of the things about the bike helmet, what we might want to do to design it. So I just launched that here. And then I can easily, you know, spin it around. You can see performance is really good. It kind of stays with the mouse. Again, this is running up through the, uh, the US West. I can do pretty much all the same mouse keyboard manipulations that we can do with our normal desktop. I'll work with an app stream here. And so just to show you a couple different use cases, so I can go to an exploded view of the helmet, so you can see all the different parts associated with that helmet. I can do another operation here, it's called a view section. So what that does is it creates a clipping plane, and that clipping plane, there's got a little, uh, you can see the green parts, that's where the, the, the cap of the clipping plane is hitting the, the geometry. And that's, this is typically a, a, a pretty heavy GPU intensive task here, and you can see with a slider, I can just move it in and out uh, from the model here, and, and, it's, and it's very responsive. So from that, I'm going to switch back to the regular view. And what I'm going to show you today, there's, again, the, the full suite of NX functionality is available here on, on AppStream. But I'm just going to show you a quick example of, uh, see these ventilation holes in the back of the, uh, of the helmet? I'm going to show you how we can, uh, how we can create those here. So I'm going to just open up a previous iteration, or previous version of this same helmet. Spin it around there so you can see the back of it. It doesn't have the, uh, the ventilation holes yet. So I'm going to start by just uh, hiding the helmet here. Zooming in. And what I've got here, this is just a freehand sketch. Some, you know, clearly it's just got some jagged lines. Someone just sketched out maybe an idea of what those holes might look like. And so I'm just going to use that as a reference. And then from there, I'm going to enter the NX Realize Shape application which is a, a subdivision modeling application that allows you to start with uh, a, a different number of primitives here. I could start with a sphere, a cylinder, 
And in this case, I'm gonna start with a block because that most, um, that, that's kind of closely represents the shape that I'm gonna end up with. So I'm just gonna drag it over here to position it, kind of similar to where my kind of reference sketch was. That looks good enough. Okay, there, and so once I have my primitive, I can start manipulating this, and, and we, we call the, uh, the box here, the, the block, we call it a cage. And so the cage has a bunch of different control points on it. And so launching this transform cage function, I can start selecting edges like this and then drag the manipulator. And then if that's not exactly right, I can kind of move it around a little bit more. Okay, that's good. And then I'll do one more here. Move it that way, okay. And then next I'm gonna do a, a symmetric modeling operation. So what that's gonna do, I'm just gonna select um, this, I'm gonna select this plane right here. And so when I select that plane, hit okay, that replicates the, the block that I created uh, and mirrors it. And so everything I do on the right side over here is now gonna be reflected on, on the left side. And so I'm gonna, I, I need these edges on the side to be a little bit more round. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make these smooth over here. And you can see that's all being reflected on the left side. And I think that's about good enough. I could, I could keep splitting up the face here, subdividing the face, creating a lot more control points and, and really drag it around to, to be perfect. But, but for the demo, that this looks good enough to me. So I'm gonna hit finish here. I don't really need that sketch anymore. So I can just, again, using keyboard shortcuts, uh, launch a command to hide that sketch. So now I just have that, that model I created. And from there, I'm gonna bring back a previous subdivision body that I had created. Um, and so now that you see some overlapping geometry here, and the reason I, I did that is because now I'm gonna do a series of Boolean, op Boolean operations to start taking um, some geometry away. So I'm gonna do a subtract here. I'm gonna start with this, and then I'm gonna use, I'm gonna subtract um, that previous one I created from it. So if I hit okay. All right, now what you can see is what's starting to become something that looks like a couple of holes that now I can do the same subtraction operation from the helmet itself. So I will do that by bringing back the helmet. I'll do another subtract. So I have to do two subtracts here for, for both of these pieces of the helmet. So I'll do those two, and since I need to do a second one, I'm gonna keep the tool around for one more. Just like this now, second one. Don't need it anymore. And there, and there we go. So now I just carved out those holes using that, that subdivision object that I had previously created. So this, this is obviously a, a pretty simple example here, but it shows how powerful it is and, and the functionality that we built into our engineering products can all be accessed from anywhere. And it's not really, you know, it's not a dumbed down version of the product, it's, it's the full product here. And so, you know, I, I did uh, clearly a modeling example, we can do simulation. We have high-end rendering in here, so we have a real-time ray tracer to create photorealistic rendering, which is another GPU-intensive task. We could do that in here. Um, and then one other thing to show you, um, in terms of engineers doing their job, typically they have to interact with other engineering applications too, productivity applications. And, and NX, it's no different where, you know, we've got a lot of data behind the scenes on the products that we create, and so we've got tie-ins to Excel and, and some other aspects or some other products as well. So here what I can do is I can just extract all the attributes associated with my model and you can see all running within the AppStream environment, I've got access to all the different productivity tools that I would typically uh, need throughout you know, my, my workday. 
So with that, I saw somebody, I saw somebody was uh, rotating the model around it. I guess that was Sandy <laughs> over here. So another thing that AppStream allows you to do is to have multiple users logging on to the same instance. And so what, what that means is, you know, you Sorry, start. I'm messing with you. Okay, you're messing with me. Um, so I can start rotating around. Again, you know, we've got a distributed workforce and being able to remotely collaborate on designs, you know, in different parts of the world or in, or in different parts of the, of the country, for example, uh, is, is very attractive. And so, you know, as we're, as we're talking through a design, we can both have access and, and, and control it that way. So with that, I think um, that was the end of the demo. And then this is uh, also important to note that this is the Amazon AppStream 2.0 website. And so, Supreet, do you want to talk about this? But um, as we scroll down, it's got, Supreet, maybe I'll let you drive here. Um, so as, as kind of Supreet mentioned earlier, we've got um, you know, our products available live now. Um, as for, I think, a 30-minute trial for anybody to, to try out. And so th this is the, uh, the access uh, for that. Thanks, Jenny. All right. Thanks. Yeah, so today we launched AppStream 2. Uh, you can, uh, it's the right now experience. Anybody with an AWS login can just log in. Mm -hmm. uh, try the whole experience that was showed today for 30 minutes. Uh, a few other things to call out uh, is uh, the switcher. Uh, you have the ability to uh, upload data uh, through the course of the session. So you can upload your data, do your work, then you can download your content. You can also print your documents. Uh, it, pro it provides you a, a PDF version of the document. It opens up in a new browser. It's valid for a limited duration. Uh, again, there are security controls enforced so that you can just copy those URLs and send it to people. Uh, and then uh, we provide you the ability to uh, control your experience. Uh, that way you can pick and choose the right experience for you. Uh, and then uh, you can choose the different screen resolutions that's appropriate for your workload and for the work uh, type you do. Uh, at any given time, you can go back to your catalog, uh, see, access your applications, or you can go back and see your running apps. That's just a, a quick overview of the remaining features that uh, is part of the end user experience. So thanks to the Siemens team for amazing collaboration, amazing partnership and collaboration with us. Uh, and then thanks to Danny for the demo. I think it was super cool to see. Uh, the, I wanted to cover a couple of things before we open up for questions. Is, uh, as I said, we launched the Right Now experience. This is launched primarily to uh, make sure that everybody can go try this experience. Uh, see if you can use your applications. The goal there is a combination of productivity and and uh, graphics, advanced graphics application, depending on what you like to try, uh, you can try it out. Uh, and then uh, we also want to kind of call out some of the upcoming features uh, that might be useful as you consider scaling up your workload. Uh, we have heard from a lot of our customers that Active Directory is a, is a common mechanism of authentication and authorization, so we're going to be uh, turning on the SAML integration. Uh, a lot of customers, when they run their applications, they need certain specific uh, execution points. This could be to start a workflow. This could be to capture metrics, capture logs, activate applications uh, for various scenarios. So we're going to be turning off lifecycle hooks uh, that will allow you to execute certain scripts, either at the instance 
set up, instance, teardown, or as part of the application session provisioning and the application session teardown. So that, for example, if you wanted to launch a streaming session for a user and say, I want this user to open a specific project with a specific data file and access to a specific set of resources, then you can use these lifecycle hooks when the application starts. When the application uh, exits, if you want to execute a different set of script to tear down certain uh, attributes, uh, you can do that. Or you can pass certain configuration files mm -hmm. as part of this uh, lifecycle hooks. What we offer today is a, is a transient storage. Uh, the storage is valid for the duration of the how long the instance is running for. Uh, but if you want to move your uh, data along uh, with apps as the users come and go, uh, we will be offering built-in storage um, uh, so that you can actually carry the data across the board. So this kind of completes the, the full envelope for us is where now your users can um, access the applications from any device anywhere. The data is stateless. It's stored securely in AWS, but moves to a newer instance as they come and go. We also heard from our HPC uh, community and, and, from the hype, and from the ISVs that sometimes you don't necessarily need the instances to be up and running in your fleet, um, and you may want the instance to come up at a later time when you are able to start your visualization. To support that, we will be offering stopped instance as another uh, scaling dimension where you can define a set of instances that will be in stopped state, and when you want a visualization node to come up, you can call an API and say, start me the visualization node, uh, so that you can control the cost. Uh, this is a balance between cost and experience. Let's say you are an ISP who wants to provide uh, an online video-like experience uh, to your users when they come to your portal. You probably want to use instant tonic uh, scaling policy so that the instances are ready to go. Whereas it's a batch compute job, waiting for a few minutes or a few seconds is probably not that bad of a deal. So it gives you the compromise. The other important thing for our enterprise customers was domain join instance. Uh, today, they use domain join instance, uh, and they don't want to change their IT setup. Uh, so uh, this comes with, again with a little bit of balance between user experience and what your preference is. As you saw in the demo, the end user was given a URL. They clicked on an app. They were directly taken into the instance. Uh, whereas when you have a domain join instance, it introduces a layer of friction that uh, may uh, alter the user experience. So we're kind of working out some of those uh, uh, features and something that we're going to be uh, starting to make it available in Q1. Uh, just like you may have heard, other AWS services will start to iterate really fast uh, and uh, address any gaps that we may have. So if you have any feedback as you try the service, um, you will please share your feedback and we'll uh, work on that. Um, and finally, thank you for taking the time and making... Uh, coming over here to see the presentation. Thanks for the Siemens team for the wonderful presentation and the demo. I think you guys have been great partners. Thanks for everything. Thank you.